Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Welcome. So good to be with you. I'm Tim, I'm lead pastor of Mosaic, and whether you're joining us at 10 a.m. on Sunday or you're listening or watching at some other time, it's it's really good to be with you. We're going to Scripture together. We are right now. We're in the two and a half week range. About we're about two and a half weeks into into Lent. And if you don't know what that is, that is a a time of preparation for Resurrection Sunday. It's a time of preparation for Easter. Started Ash Wednesday a couple weeks ago. We're about two and a half weeks in, and for Lent this year, for us as a church family, we're looking at the glory of God. We've, we've called this, this series, Words Fall Short, because what we realize when we look to Scripture, what we realize when we encounter the living God who's created everything, who knows us and loves us, is that our words as human beings just fall short. And so we started a couple weeks ago, and then we looked at the goodness of God and how that is far greater and different and beyond what we sometimes think of the goodness of God. We looked at creation last week, and this week what I want to do is take a a pretty quick move through four different episodes in the life of Moses. Um, So last week we mentioned Genesis. This week we're in the next book in the Bible, Exodus. If you've got a Bible, find your way to Exodus. We're going to start in chapter 3. What I want to do is look through the life of Moses at four times in his life, and there's more, but I've picked four where the glory of God is revealed. Where Moses and the Israelites, and largely they're in the desert and they're, they're wandering around and God consistently and regularly reveals himself. And so we're gonna look at four episodes and then I wanna make two observations. One that's true about God and one that's true about you and I. And then I've got a question for us. Exodus chapter three is the, is the first one. And, and Moses has fled uh, Egypt, fled uh, Pharaoh's palace. He was uh, Pharaoh's. He got brought into Pharaoh's family. He was an Israelite, a Hebrew. He was brought into uh, Pharaoh's family. And then a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened in his life. And he ends up killing a guy and then flees. And he has been away from Egypt with um, another family. He's married and he's now uh, out in the fields. And God reveals himself in a most unique way, which may be familiar to some of you. And if not, this is a crazy, wonderful story. Exodus chapter three, and Moses is out in the fields. And in in verse two, it says this, Exodus three, verse two. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So let's count these out. This is the first of four, the burning bush. God reveals himself and speaks to this bush that doesn't burn up. It's on fire, and Moses is curious and goes, hey, I have not seen that before, a bush on fire that doesn't burn up. He's probably seen plenty of bushes that have burned up. So that's how he knows this one's unique and walks over to it and goes, hey, this is weird. And then God speaks to him. And when he realizes that it's God's voice, all of a sudden, the whole territory changes. The land that he's on, the space that he's in, the the dirt that he's standing on in front of this bush is now holy ground. And Moses' response to God in that moment is to hide his face, probably fell on the ground and took off his sandals. That was his response. God told him, this is holy ground, take off your sandals. And Moses responded by hiding his face and probably falling on the ground. The glory of God shows up in God's presence and God reveals himself. That's the first one. The second one is later while Moses has really been transformed and he's now the leader of the Israelite people and uh, they have come out of uh, Egypt that uh, Pharaoh has, uh, after the plagues and all that, that, that Pharaoh has finally said, hey, goodbye, go. And they've gone out in chapter 13, uh, verse 21 where we come to where uh, Moses has led the people and they're about to cross the the Red Sea. God's about to do this miracle and, and, and part the waters in them to walk through. And it says this, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night, left its place in front of the people. Later on in chapter four, it says this, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. And then later, what happens then is, the pillar of cloud is there by night, the pillar of, uh, or by day, the pillar of fire um, by night. God is revealing his glory to them. And so he's present with them and they're following him and they're waiting to go across the water. And he parts the water and they go through and he reveals his glory to them by protecting them, by saving them, by providing for them. The Israelites, I mean, sorry, the Egyptians follow them and they die in, in the water as God removes his hand and the water's fall over the Egyptian soldiers. God's glory is revealed and God says it ahead of time. My glory will be revealed when I protect you and provide for you and protect you from those who have been oppressing you, who are chasing you, who want to either take your life or rule your life again. And I will not let that happen. The Israelites response is to actually to worship, to sing. And we find in the next chapter, chapter 15, this said about about their God, that they're beginning to see and know more and more as he reveals his glory to them. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? They're seeing what God is doing, that he's showing up, that he's providing for them, that he's freed them, and now he's protected them. This is one of the great miracles in all of scripture, and it's God's glory revealed. And then shortly after that, if you move to the next chapter in the book of Exodus, you move from 15, we just read verse 11, in the very next chapter in 16, we find that Moses and his brother Aaron are struggling to lead the Israelites because they're grumbling. 
They're grumbling because they're hungry. And it says in chapter 16, uh, verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So God's revealed his glory to them. He's, he's been physically manifest, manifest, sorry, manifest in this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. He's, he's physically saved them from their oppressors. And just a short day or maybe a week later or a short time later, they're grumbling and all of a sudden rewriting the narrative, rewriting their history and saying, oh, it was so good when we were slaves back in Egypt. We had lots of meat, which actually probably isn't true if they're slaves. They probably didn't have the, the best meat. But they're rewriting what happened and saying, oh, the desert is difficult. We're, we, if we could just be slaves again. I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I read this and I'd, over and over I've, I've thought, what a ridiculous thing to do to rewrite what was so horrible when God has freed you. God's answered their prayers, showed up for generations. They've been praying to be freed. And now God has done that and is present with them, revealed his glory, done this miracle, saved them. And then they're complaining as if God can't provide food for them. And what happens next is God provides food for them. And it says this later in verse 10. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was, and here it is again, the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Total side note on this. Looking at Moses and Aaron, and, and uh, you know, Moses is a leader and his brother Aaron who plays the role of a priest in the community. And they've got this role and they're wrestling with how do we care for these people that are our people and that we love and they're grumbling. And just a total side note, I, I just, I just want to celebrate and say thank you and allow you to know as a church family that this is not our story. I mean, it's our story because it's God's story. And so we've, we come in the line of people who would know God. But as we look back over this, I, I don't know if you count these kind of things. I count these kind of things. But today, Sunday, March 7th, is our 52nd week of not meeting in our building. There's typically 52 Sundays in a year. We are one year out of meeting in our building, and this has not become our story. We haven't grumbled. I, I just want to say thank you as a, as a, as a pastor and as a leader of, of this community to talk to so many other pastors in our city and across our nation and, and to hear stories and to be able to just be thankful and grateful to God that our church family has not sunk to grumbling. Not that it's hard, not that we ask tough questions, not that we shared struggles and pain, but as a church community, we've, we've not done this. We've not grumbled. And so I just want to say thanks and allow you to know that. And, and if you're like, whoa, I've grumbled a lot and nobody's heard me, um, maybe, maybe that's a different story. But as a whole, our church family has just handled all of this so on. We've changed and, and, and made significant changes and we've seen God work and show up. And I think we've actually seen God reveal his glory in our story in this past year in so many ways. So that's, a, that's just a side note. And I want to say thank you and for us to celebrate that as a church. But the Israelites in this situation, having seen God's glory right in front of them, having walked across on dry land and then had the waters crush over the Egyptians, were now just a few weeks later, a few days later, grumbling because they wanted meat that they pretended that they had, that they probably didn't really have back in Egypt. And then God's glory shows up again and provides for them bread in the morning and meat in the evening over and over and over. The first one is the burning bush. The second one is God revealing himself in the cloud and the pillar of fire. The third one is on Mount Sinai. And if you turn over to uh, chapter 19, what we have is Moses 
going up to the mountain and God meeting not just Moses, but the Israelites by, by showing up on this mountain. And they have gone through the desert and they've come up kind of at the foot of this mountain, Mount Sinai. And God is getting ready to reveal himself once again. Listen to how he reveals his glory again in chapter 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. God's revealing his glory. And it's actually in these, it's like a thunderstorm. Uh, it's, some have described it as like a reverse volcano as a fire's coming down from heaven onto the top of the mountain. There's a loud trumpet sound. This isn't the Israelite camp playing trumpets. It's literally the sound that they're hearing from the mountain. The God of all creation is coming into his creation at that moment. That God's glory is touching down onto the top of the mountain. And then Moses is called by God to go up and to meet with God. And later, and God reveals what, what we know now as the Ten Commandments, and he reveals how they are to, to live as his holy and set-apart people, distinct from any other people group in the world at that time, and, and how they're to treat one another, and how they're to reveal and live out his justice and his holiness among them in their community, and all of these laws that God reveals to Moses and speaks to Moses. And then we have, at the end of all that, in chapter 24, it says this, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And there he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This, this physical change in the weather, this, this visible presence on top of the mountain caused the people to tremble and be in awe of what was happening in front of them, knowing that their God was coming again to them and to be with them. And Moses goes up and gets these instructions, the Ten Commandments and much more that reveal the covenant, the relationship that God wants to establish with his people. That's the third episode, the burning bush, the pillar of cloud, and the pillar of fire, God showing up in this cloud and fire and trumpet sound on Mount Sinai. And then the fourth one is at the very end of the book of Exodus. We just covered almost the whole book of Exodus. There's you, there you go. And just, what is that, 10 minutes? So it was going to go really fast, but just hitting these four episodes where God's glory is revealed through the book of Exodus and Moses and the Israelite story. And the very last verses in the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 34. After the people of Israel, through Moses' guidance, through God's directions that he's given to Moses have, have created this most amazing tent that's ever existed, the tabernacle, and all of the specific instructions of how the worship of God is to look. And this tent was created by the people of Israel and it's ready to be put into action. And God is going to meet them, not on a mountain any longer, not out in front of them just as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, but in their camp with them, he's gonna come and dwell with them in this tabernacle. And it says this in the very last verses, chapter 40, the end of Exodus. Then again, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. The burning bush, 
as they traveled the, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. God showing up and revealing his glory on Mount Sinai caused them all to tremble. And then Moses specifically to tremble in awe and worship of God because he was so glorious and he filled the tabernacle. Those four times, and there's others throughout Exodus where God reveals himself, but through those four, and we kind of just skimmed over the top of the book of Exodus. But what we find is God revealing himself. Now, what I'd like to do is, if I can, make two observations, one that is true about God through these four episodes and one that is true, not just of the people of Israel, but of us. One observation that's true of God is that God creatively and powerfully comes to, meets with, and dwells with his people. God is regularly revealing himself to his people and not just from afar, but coming closer and closer to them. That God is saying, I have created the entire universe. We looked last, last week at creation. We looked a couple weeks ago at just what our universe is and as human beings as we create and design more technology to understand more of our universe, how vast it is, how we measure things, not in just distance, but how much time it takes because the distance is so great for us to even see them and to be aware of them. And as we design new kinds of technology to see further and in more detail, what we learn is more and more how complex and wonderful and almost beyond imagination creation is. The God of all of that comes close to his people, not just as Israelites, but to us. That as we look through the book of Exodus and as we see God's glory over and over revealed, that is beyond our words to explain and to capture and to fully encapsulate so that we can understand it fully in our mind, what we learn is that it's beyond us. That God's glory and who he is is far beyond us as human beings. And so our response is to cover our face and to remove our sandals and to fall before God and say, you are God and I am not. You are good and worthy of worship. You are more powerful and stronger and bigger than us. And God, that God, our God, comes to us to be with us and to dwell with us. And that's not in the book of Exodus, but that continues throughout scripture. God moves into the temple that the Israelites build when they're in their land. And then later on, we find that he moves beyond the temple and reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to be with us. And then those of us who follow him now have the Holy Spirit in us. And so the temple moves from on top of a mountain into a tent, into a building, into a person in Jesus. And now we're called God's temple. That God is not just near us, but he's with us. God creatively and powerfully comes to be with and to dwell with his people. That's an observation about him. An observation about the Israelites first and then us. An observation about the Israelites is whenever God's glory shows up, when he reveals himself, when they see and grasp or glimpse in some small measure how wonderful and big and majestic and glorious God is, their lives begin to contour to God's desires for them. The Israelites begin to be shaped by, directed by God. If I can say it this way, that God's presence, when God dwells with us, when God is near, God's presence shapes the direction of our life. God's presence shapes the decisions, the behaviors, the actions, even reaches into the desires of our own life. When we realize who God is and that he is near, his presence is intended to draw us to be and live as certain kinds of people. When God gave the Ten Commandments and the covenant and the law and all of that, I think chapters uh, 
19 through 24, roughly. And it's more than that as we get into the tabernacle after that in the book of Exodus. But in that, he's saying this is what it's like to live the life that reflects a just God, a holy God. And as you treat one another in this way and live in this way, you're revealing me. More of my glory is revealed in your presence. That our lives not just are shaped, but we're invited to live in a certain way. And if I can say this and use this word and hear me clearly, God's presence actually demands that we live in a certain way. It calls us to live as he wants us, instructs us, demands us to live in this certain way. And when we don't, we fall short of his glory. We sin. God's presence with us shapes, invites, and directs us to live in a certain way. Over and over as we hear of God's glory in the book of Exodus and other parts throughout scripture, we talked about this several weeks ago if you were listening and meeting with us the Hebrew word for that is kavod. And kavod has this sense of weight. The glory of God, the weight of glory. It has this heaviness, this weight. And uh, we, uh, if you've ever been to a, um, a, uh, a trampoline park, um, I hope trampoline parks stay in business uh, through COVID. I'm sure that's really difficult. But I've been to more than a few trampoline parks. Uh, I last anywhere before between six and eight minutes, and then I'm out of breath and done. But if you've ever been to a trampoline park or taken your kids there, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's just exhausting, and it's a blast. Every trampoline park I've ever been to has had a dodgeball section where you play dodgeball. And I love playing dodgeball in a trampoline park when my kids were younger because I was heavier than them. And what would happen is the heaviest person on the trampoline, the balls would roll towards them. And so I would always have more ammo and stay in the game longer, even though I was tired and out of breath because I was heavier and I pulled all of the balls towards me. That's a little bit of cheating. You get the picture. God's presence is like that weight that orients everything to himself. And God is saying throughout scripture and throughout the book of Exodus, your lives are to orient around me because I'm the heaviest. There's nothing else. You might have other gods. You might have other ideas. You might have other ways of living and existing in this world, but I am the heaviest. I am the most glorious. I'm the most majestic. I'm the weightiest. And it's to orient all around him. That's what our lives are to look like. We're to find out where are the balls rolling to and we go towards God. I think it's a little bit humorous that it says that Moses just noticed the burning bush. I just noticed it's not burning up and he was curious and he went over to it, but there's this sense of being drawn to God and all of a sudden we find as we follow Moses' life throughout, is that his life was dictated by the presence of God and what God was calling him to. Our lives are to look like that. God's presence demands it. So here's the question for us. We can't help but ask this. We're already thinking it in some way, I think. The question is this for us today is, what in our life is actually heavier than God? What in our life is actually drawing our orientation around itself other than God? What have we decided in our own scales that God, that this weighs more than God. When over and over the story of God says, no, God weighs more than anything else. He is more glorious than anything else. So what is it? Is it the pull for money and security that's found in that? Is it the temptation and lust of physical affection and pleasure and sex or whatever that might be? Is it that if I don't get my fix or my drink at the end of the day or marijuana or some kind of pill that makes me feel good enough to be able to close my eyes at the end of the night, that that begins to orient, my life begins to orient around that more than anything else. Is it some kind of hobby? 
Is it some kind of thing that we've convinced ourselves is innocent and not damaging to our life in some way? When God says, no, everything is to orient around me. I'm to pull your life in my direction, not you decide what it is in your life that you orient around. What is it in our life that we've decided is more weighty than the glory of the creator God of the universe? That's our question for us. Two, two kind of recommendations or invitations, if I, if I can, for you. And one is this. And it, I, I think if you don't know the story of Brother Lawrence, it's worth looking up. Brother Lawrence is a, is a very average guy. And he lived in the 17th century in uh, modern-day France. And he committed himself and made vows to a religious community. But he worked uh, in the city just as a cook and later as a sandal maker. And the story of him and the, the book that was written after his death was The Presence of God. No, the, the Practicing the Presence of God. And, and what he would do is just throughout his day go, God, you are present now. I'm washing dishes. You're present in this. I'm making sandals. You're present in this. I'm walking home. You're present in this. And he would draw himself. And what all these hundreds of years later, what still rings so true of it is that we long to know that God is present with us day in and day out, task to task, hour to hour, whatever is going on. And so the first invitation is, is how can you call to memory to remind yourself that God is present with you right now? As you're a follower of Jesus, he's in you in the Holy Spirit. You actually are called a temple. I am called a temple of the Holy Spirit because God is with me. And so how do I remind myself that he's present all the time, orienting and calling me to live in a certain direction toward him in his ways? And the second thing is this. If you would take time this week to reflect on, to remember, and then to actually write out in some form, type it in, text it in, write it out in your journal, where have you experienced God's presence in your life? Where have you seen the glory of God? It's probably not in a burning bush. And if it is, I would love to hear your story of a burning bush that didn't burn up. But ours is going to look different than Moses's, Right? But God has revealed his glory to us. My guess is it's going to be an, an answered prayer. You remember, yeah, I remember praying that and, and answered prayer. I had an experience this week where I prayed with a, with a friend on Monday, and on Tuesday we saw an answer to prayer, and we said afterwards, I think God just answered our prayer. And it was this shock, like, oh, this actually happens. We prayed one day, and 24 hours later, God answered it. God's glory was revealed in that moment. It might be through the kindness of a friend who met a need that you have had for a long time, or maybe you didn't even know you had, but you realize in that moment that God's glory was revealed. It could be in stopping for a moment and to appreciate the beauty of his creation and the emotional and visceral response that you feel in that you realize there's the glory of God, that you would take the time to write out, where am I seeing God's presence in my life? And as we do that, I think we'll find that we want to orient our lives around him through all the midst of the struggle, through all the midst of the doubt, through all the midst of the unanswered questions, that we realize that we worship, that we sit and stand in awe of who God is and that he's weighty above all else. And that draws our lives as act of worship, both humbly trembling in his presence and yet joyfully celebrating that we get to walk and live with him. I want to pray for us and then we're going to continue to sing together. Jesus, you are with us today. You came, you lived, you died, you were buried and you conquered death and you rose again. And so you as the temple have now made heaven touch earth through your life and now through the Holy Spirit in each of us. 
And so God, you are present with us now. You are not far, you are near. And would you help us, Holy Spirit? Would you empower us? Would you give us strength and courage to be able to make the decisions on a daily, minute by minute basis to orient our lives around you because you are worthy, because you are glorious, because you are perfect, because you are holy. In Jesus' name, amen.